Welcome to Podcasts, recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. We have many programs, classes, and workshops developed just for our online audience. To find out more, go to our website at cslportland.org and look under the Online tab. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its video podcast, you can donate online at cslportland.org slash donate. Allow us to become part of your extended spiritual community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living. Hi, Portland CSL. Nice to see you. Um, I was out uh, at um, Camp Cedar Ridge this weekend with uh, some of your congregants who are still there. I left early to come be with you. Um, if you don't know, we, we Centers for Spiritual Living have bought our own camp for the first time in the history of the organization. And it's right down the road in Vernonia, Oregon from you guys. So way cool. And... Uh, we were what we were doing this weekend. It's their one-year anniversary, so they've been open for a year under CSL's ownership. Um, and uh, we were restoring a labyrinth, a huge labyrinth, that we originally built 15 years ago when I was the camp director there for Teen Camp. And uh, Larry Steele, who owned the camp at that point, um, and loved us. I said, I have this, I've had this vision for a long time about m building this labyrinth. Would you guys like to do that as a service project this year at camp? And I'm like, sure. Turns out it was the second largest labyrinth in the world. It was huge. It goes, tree, it goes around trees. It's, it's, it's huge. So, but over the years, it's fallen into disrepair because you know, it was more basketball camps than it was you know, church camps or spiritual groups that were there. And so... Um, now that we own it, we want our labyrinth back. So it's about 50 of us this weekend and built it, rebuilt it. Very, very moving for me since I was part of the original crew. But we have a couple of the people who are now in their 30s who were teens back then uh, who joined us. And it was, it was a way cool weekend. So you, you've got some people there uh, who are sort of your front runners. They're telling me how cool you guys are. So I'm like, all right. <laughs> but apparently I didn't impress them enough to have them leave, the con leave early to come see me. But they do love you. So this whole month, the, talk, the themes within Centers for Spiritual Living is about shadows and light, shadows and light. Um, and I love shadow work. So I, I'm very delighted to spend some time talking with you about it today. What is our shadow? It's the part of us that we bury, like, like stick in the basement. And it's the, it tends to be the part of us that we don't want to own. Like we have a public face. This is who I am, and you know all your social skills out there with your public face. And there's that private part of you that probably not even your partner knows. Well, they might know because they live with it, but you know that you don't talk about it. You just keep it stuffed down there. So the the idea of doing shadow work is to uh, find ways to pull that uh, those old stories out of the basement and bring them into the light of day. I know, you might be saying, why on earth would I do that? <laughs> they belong there, they can stay there as far as I'm concerned. Because that 
those things run us in many, many ways. Those old stories that are that are um, part of our, our just part of, of of how we became who we are. But they they tend to come out of the basement sometimes. Just grab up and you know do something stupid. Uh, in my opinion, you know, like get sarcastic or you know put somebody down. He's like, where did that come from? That's not. I don't. I don't. I, that's not who I am. That's the shadow. So I'm, I'm reminded of the um, the character Dorian Gray that Oscar Wilde's story is is about, um, who is a, a, a gorgeous Adonis young man, incredibly handsome, young, vibrant, just you know a little full of himself, and. Uh, his, his very good friend, who was so enamored with how handsome he was, painted his picture. And as the story goes, he uh, made a, a pact with the devil that he could stay young and handsome forever and that all of the aging would go onto this painting. And so, of course, he put the painting in the darkest corner of the basement, like, all right, that's gone, and, and continued to gallivant around the world in the way that vain young men sometimes do and uh, have a great time, you know, just being forever young and handsome and, you know, amazing. But every once in a while, in just the quiet of his own experience, he would go peek a look at the picture. And, you know, and there, there, as some time went by, he got a little belly on him, and, you know, he got a little gray hair or receding hairline. And then, you know, when he, a few years later, he looks at it again, and his face is getting kind of wrinkled. That pouch is getting a little bigger, and uh, there's, like, no hair. It, it's, it, it, but that, um, if he, as long as he could keep it stuffed away, he could keep being this other person. But there's a part of him privately that knew that's part of me too. So that's what we're going to talk about. That that that's part of me too. Wherever whatever I've got hiding back there, what you've got hidden back there, that's the part we want to start rejoining that because we're not young and virulent forever. We're who we are. And and you know the the to me the the beauty of science of mind is that we are forever on this path to become more and more conscious, more and more present as human beings. That's the work. That's what we're here for. So what are the kinds of things that we tend to push away? Um, early stories, early life experiences, uncomfortable feelings, you know, the way that, you know, if you really let yourself remember some of those childhood ouch moments when you really disappointed a parent, or you got huge disapproval for, you know, putting your sexy little self out there, you know, pretending you were like somebody. They're like, no, don't do that. Um, and those are the things that we tended as children to stuff away. And depending on what our family was like, we may have just kept them stuff. You know, I had a sexy little girl, wasn't going to fly my family ever. So <laughs> just keep that one gone for a long time. But it's also, it's um, that those secret parts of us come out as habits. So um, chronic insomnia, addictions, um, overeating, you know, th those are things that, are, that live in the shadow land. So I may, I may have this like incredibly um, beautiful, prosperous, joyful life, and everybody goes, man, she's, she just got it made. But secretly, I'm eating ice cream in the middle of the night to just stuff down those feelings a little bit because they're starting to bubble up. Familiar to anybody? I know you don't have to confess, but... <laughs> I've, I've been there. Um, 
the denial of those parts of us runs really deep. Um, it tends to, uh, so if, we, if, we're, if we're not going to ever access, then we're never opening that basement door ever, but it's there. So it tends to come out as sometimes being like incredibly sarcastic, um, just out of nowhere, you know, you're just like, you look terrible in that. Now, I'm sorry, where did that come from? I didn't mean to say that, but you do. <laughs> or um, you, we're critical, or we do something impulsive. You know, when you, you perhaps know, have known somebody that just looked like the, um, a family person, you know, high integrity, you know, close family, goes out and has an affair out of nowhere. And you're like, didn't see that. I was, that's the shadow. There's a story that is buried deep in that person's history that says that at some point I'm going to destroy everything by going out and doing something that I know will hurt the people I love the most. Was it because your dad did that? Was it, you know, where did that come from? It can come from wherever it comes from. Sometimes it comes from just stuff we made up. Do you remember when you were five, how you saw the world might not be how you would see the same events today. So the decisions that you made back then may or may not have had an, you know, an impact. It may, may or may not have been actually what happened, but they're the story that you created and stuffed down into that like deep history. So to live a conscious life in the present, I hate to tell you this, but the, the work is to just start romancing every one of those little shadows out into the light because it's in the light that we heal. So uh, however much I don't want to do that, I want more than that to be a conscious, present human being. I want to live my life fully. I want to feel my feelings fully. I don't want to shut down and, you know, be numb and not do those things because that's where the shadow part takes me. So it's not, it, it generally doesn't work. Let me just say this. this is, um, the, the people who do shadow work, which is, you know, therapists that are the Jungian model that, that do this kind of work, people who are doing shadow work, generally will advise you not to just um, yank it out of the basement and throw it out there like, now I'm going to be this. It's, it's more of a romancing thing. It's more of a like, it's so safe. You know, it's okay. It's safe to be out here. You know, stick your toe out here just like you would do a really shy puppy, you know. Just come out. It's okay. It's okay. Step another one more step. It's okay. It's okay. How do we do that? We do that by, I guess, first of all, I guess let me back up for a minute. The first of all is to recognize when something shows up that that is a shadow because it's, we've, it's been unconscious for so long for most of us that we, to just start noticing like, huh, I don't know where that came from. Maybe that's a shadow. And then just look at it. Just look at it. And that's kind of the hardest part when you're used to, like, not looking at it. Just look at it. Um, somebody else is joining us here, I think. Uh, and um, have some compassion and empathy for the you that claimed that shadow space. Uh, because sometimes we have come from violence or from uh, neglect, or from not, just, just a family that was uh, not attuned to our particular uniqueness in the world. They were like, mm, no, don't be that, be this. You know, you need to, you need to like make better grades than that. You know, all of those things. So it, it's, 
um, when we start looking at it and owning it, then we can give some compassion to that part of us that came from that history, that has that story, um, and very slowly bring it out and allow yourself to look at it and just look at it and look at what its effect has been in your life. Like this story for me is, uh, shows up over and over again. Like how is it that I've been in all of these relationships and every one of them ends the same way? Shadow maybe? Um, so th those kinds of things. I'll tell you, my own story is um, my dad was a Baptist preacher. Um, so I come by this honestly. <laughs> but, um, when I, and I had grown up in the same little town in central Louisiana since I was, you know, most of my life. And one night at supper, my dad said, the God's called me to the great Northwest. So we're moving, you know, across the country where most of the people I live with thought cowboys and Indians were still active. Um, and we're moving to the great Northwest. And I, and I remember, like, before dinner was over, I was just like, so, um, excuse me, but God didn't call me. I'm supposed to stay here. God called you. And my dad, of course, is like, in the patriarch he was. He was like, no, God calls the whole family. Like, All right, we go. And the experience for me was excruciating. I was 13 years old. I had had the same friends my whole life. And I get ripped away from that. I'm in this town. Um, do you guys know Richland, Washington? Anybody know Richland? To the Tri-Cities, it's in east, you know, the southeastern Washington, but it's the home of Hanford Atomic Energy Works. So we moved there, and there were, at that time and possibly still, more PhDs per square mile than any place in the country. And I don't know if you know central Louisiana, but it, it ain't that. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, my, my family's educated. I'm smart. You know, it, it wasn't about competing. It was just a social uh, structure. They were also very well paid, which the Baptist preacher wasn't. Um, and I just sort of looked around me, and like I, I felt like I was on a foreign planet. I had no idea how to compete. And, and we moved in the summer, so I had like three months to be completely alone before I faced like trying to make friends. And you know, that whole like first experience of sitting at the you know, lunchroom table by yourself for a couple of weeks because you don't have any friends. That, that cut really deep in my little psyche. And actually, we had moved earlier than that. I don't even remember when we moved before I was five, but I think that pattern you know, was, was present in my life. And um, going away to college, had a little bit of the same experience. I ended up going in summer school to the University of Washington from Richland. I had friends who would be there in September, but when I got there, I had no soul in Seattle. Um, so those kind of experiences sort of left me like, we're just going to stay planted right here. Well, along comes ministry. And, uh, and I knew early in the call to ministry that I was supposed to go somewhere else. I, I knew that my ministry was not there. I don't know how I knew that. I just knew that I, I'm, I'm going somewhere else. And I fought it like crazy. Didn't understand why, but I really didn't want to go. Um, and then in my senior year of ministerial school, um, by the way, Reverend Larry and I went to school together. So it's okay. uh, our dean, um, Reverend Alice from uh, that campus, uh, had just taken the job at home office, and she said, I want you to come be the youth and family director for home office. Uh, first of all, I haven't graduated yet. And in the world of youth ministry, maybe after 10 or 15 years, you might get a job like that. So it's like, it's the highest job you can get in this organization working with kids. And I'm like, uh, don't you need to advertise this or something? So, oh, no, your resume will hold. I have worked with kids my whole life. Um, so out of nowhere, like, we were to Silomar, and I like go talked to my husband. I was like, sit down. 
would you be willing to move to Berkeley? I mean, uh, Burbank? And he was like, Burbank? Because the whole time I'd been in ministerial school, I had had this vision my ministry was going to be in Amsterdam. Um, young culture, you know, just international focus. Like I was going to go to Amsterdam. So Walter looks at me and he goes, uh, Linda, Burbank, Amsterdam, can, can you see those are not the same? <laughs> but the truth is, either one of them would have freaked me out because I have this thing in my closet stash away about wherever I go, I'm going to be completely alone and terrified and I'm not going to have a place to be. That's the shadow in me that I have had to like continue to pull out. You know, I've, I've, I've retired to Ashland after my ministry was in Berkeley. Same thing, you know, like, why is that so hard? Because other people like, let's go. And I'm just like, so I think the work for me is in remembering that experience when I was, when I was 13, remembering how terrified that little girl was and giving her some love. Like, I can see that. And I, and I know, because I work with kids all the time, that, you know, parents aren't necessarily thinking about what this experience is going to be like for this child because they've got their own, they've got to sell a house, they've got to, like, you know, start a new job or whatever. It's like a, that's, that's also there, but kind of in the, in the, you know, lower category of priorities, but not for a kid. So anyway, all of that is... Um, <sighs> If once we start identifying like, oh, this is why I'm, so I, I have a feeling I'm, I'm terrified. This shouldn't be terrifying. I should be like, this should be like a celebration. This is a big deal. Like, wow, I got that job. But it doesn't feel that way. That's when it's time to bring out the shadow and just say, this is not about this. This is about something old and stuck in me. When we bring it out in the light, we can start to heal it. Um, and when we, that, in just that way, in just like understanding like, this is where this came from and look how I'm playing it out. So the next step after you do that is to think about when does that feeling, that feeling of terror show up? And, and if I start, if I can recognize it when, before it starts to um, act out in the way that I can, um, it's... You have, a, you have the opportunity to make a different choice about what it is I do and how I do it. So it, if, that, if you can recognize it in advance, which you only, after you've, you've had to like dance with each other a little bit, you know, to really see like this, oh, I'm about to do that thing that I've done before. I don't want to do that. Let's, let's think about this before I go saying something I shouldn't say or, you know, hurting somebody's feelings. Um, in Science of Mind, this, we talk a lot about wholeness. We talk about oneness, that we are one, that we are whole. Um, and right at its core, this is why this work is so important, because we're one. We're not ourself and our shadow. All that's us. You know, it's, it's as much as I try to, to separate it and push it away, I'm like, uh, you're, not, you're not me. It's me. All of that is who I am. So I just want to share with you the science of mind perspective. Um, so if you just open your textbook. <laughs> you didn't bring your textbook. Well, lucky for you, I did. <laughs> um, this is Ernest Holmes, um, and it's on page 463, uh, second paragraph. You want to read it when you get home. Um, this, is, this is essential Ernest Holmes. It's like at the, the most core teaching of what we teach in science of mind. 
Life is one perfect wholeness. The universe is a unit. God is one. It is impossible for man to feel separated from the spirit without feeling lost and in want. It is only as we live in conscious union with the spirit and consciously let it work through us that we really live. He said this in 1926. He's one smart dude. Uh, but that's really the essence of what it is we're uh, teaching in Science of Mind. And there, I, I just want to give you some, um, some warnings about it because we have a tendency, because we do believe that, we say that, it's part of your, you know, called to your new minister, is that, that uh, message of wholeness and oneness. So we have a tendency to go, it's all God, it's all good. You heard that before? So it's, you know, whatever it is, it's showing up. It's like, I know, I know this, this thing is happening and it's, you know, I've lost my job or I've, you know, getting, I'm getting separated, whatever. It's okay. It's all God. It's all good. Ultimately, that is true, but it's mostly a bypass. It's mostly a not being willing to look at the shadow that is showing, that is showing up in our lives at that moment. Um, and I just want to invite you to go deeper. Take a deeper dive into your own consciousness to bring that uh, story forward so you can heal it. So you can actually like, and, and, and oh, by the way, we tend to find uh, best friends, partners, siblings that match our story so that, you know, we intertwine our story with their story and we just get, you know, codependent all over the place. So just... It, it's so that my triggers, that my partner knows my triggers, and just in a moment when he's feeling particularly feisty or upset, just takes a little swipe, you know, like, oh, I know that'll get her. You know, is that dress tight? Is that, is that dress getting tight on you? Just, <laughs> yeah, and then I'm gone. So, so we tend to, to do that. And so I encourage you to go deeper yourself, and if this, is, if this is ringing true to you, and I see some of you nodding the whole time I'm talking, so I know, I know it's landing on a few people. If this is true for you, I really encourage you to work with a practitioner or work with a therapist, particularly a Jungian therapist that understands doing shadow work. But it can be helpful to have somebody holding the high watch for you and guiding you through because this is, this is sticky, hard stuff. And so worth it. I just can't tell you, so worth it because the other side of it, there is an ability between you and your partner to have a, an open, honest conversation that doesn't go flying off into something else. You know what I'm talking about. Um, that, that's what, that allows you to build a healthy relationship. Also within your own self-esteem that I'm not going to go home and eat a pint of Ben and Jerry's or you know just crawl in bed and not get out the next day. Uh, drink way too much, whatever those things are that are the ways that I like keep stuffing it back. <sighs> Wouldn't it be a relief to just let go of all of that? It comes with some hard work. But we have an ally. We have an ally. Spirit has our back all the way. We know this, we teach this, but it's absolutely true. In that church of my childhood that I left, they would say, you got to lay it on the altar. You know what that means? You know, this, this, this is like old-timey Southern Christian talk. But it means that I will take this thing that I don't know how to deal with, and I give it up to God. I just say, take it. I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to fix it. I don't know how to work with it. I don't know where to go. Uh, and I am willing to receive guidance. 
Just it's, um, and then you have to do that. You have to actually be willing to receive guidance and do it. But God is there. That infinite presence, that thing that is, uh, we're being breathed by something greater than ourselves, that divine essence, will not leave us alone if we ask for its presence to be there. What does that do? That gives me an ally when I want to go, I can't do this. You know, I, this is too hard. I can't. That presence of God is the thing that will stand beside us and allow us to keep looking at the things that are hard to look at. And if that seems like an undoable task to you, get a practitioner because we spend years training, don't we, in how to do just that, how to hold the high watch and see the absolute truth of you while you muck through all the, the pieces. I just want to say, I know what I'm saying is hard work and it is so worth doing. I just invite you to dive as deep as, as you got to, to dive into. Let's pray. Infinite Spirit, that which is everywhere present, I know that that infinite presence of God is in, around, and through this place. In, around, through, and as each of us, within, without, only one thing, only God, only good. <sighs> and so I claim that oneness. And that that oneness with the infinite includes all of the pieces of who I am. All of the things that I have been so reluctant to own or to deal with or to let anybody ever see. God is in all of that. And so I know that in my perfect expression of who I am, I know this for myself, I know this for each person here, in that infinite expression, there is a wholeness and a peace that is available. And so I call on that for each of us, the courage to move forward and the peace that's available at the end of the journey. I'm so grateful to know that that's the truth. I'm so grateful to know that having spoken this word, it must of necessity manifest, for that is the nature of the law. For that I say, thank you, God. And so it is. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. Our inspirational service is at 11 a.m. every Sunday. We also have many programs, classes, and workshops developed just for our online audience. To find out more, go to our website at cslportland.org and look under the online tab. We have a variety of content dedicated specifically for our podcast listeners. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at cslportland.org donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended spiritual community. Wherever you are in your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.